You are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. We're coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. Today is April 14th, 2022. I hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Let's dive into it. So, Bobin, welcome back to Kubernetes Bytes. It feels like we haven't done this in a while, even though it was just a couple weeks ago. I don't know why that is, but <laughs> it's good to be back. What have you been up to? I think that feels like it feels uh, like a long time because we have been doing a lot of planning. So, I think we have booked next four episodes and uh, it, it still comes out every two weeks. I just, I, I, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting ready for trade show season. I think next week I'll be out at AWS summit in San Fran. And then may we have a whole bunch of these summits and KubeCon is in May. So I think that's the best time to be a TME, right? Like just going and talking about the products and this is actually crunch time. So come up with the content and make sure you have all the demos ready to go. But yeah, that's, that's for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We have uh, the shows opening back up, the world opening back up. That's mm -hmm. exciting for sure to be able to meet up in person. I know I'm excited for KubeCon in just a few weeks, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're out in uh, LA after that as well. So yep. yeah, I, I hope it stays that way. <laughs> we all get to enjoy these uh, these trips and uh, really get to you know talking to people in person it's been a while yes. <laughs> cool well today we have a really cool topic we're going to be talking about kate sandra mm -hmm. um, and we do have a guest patrick mcfadnon uh, before we introduce him and dive into the show and get him on here we do want to cover today's uh or the last couple weeks of cloud native news so why don't you dive into it bobbin without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, so uh, we have a whole bunch of funding rounds and an acquisition to discuss today. Uh, let's start with the funding round. So Docker, for people who are still new to this and don't know, maybe it, this is a good time to uh, like learn about what <laughs> Docker is doing. But they raised a CDC funding round for $105 million. And this is more focused towards developer productivity and making sure that they can spend more time on innovation and writing code and less time on everything else. So they want to speed up the inner loop of uh, like the development cycle. And I was reading through that article and I was like, what is inner loop? So that's, and I Googled that and I figured out, okay, inner loop is the process when a developer on his own uh, is writing, building, debugging code in a single machine on their own laptop, maybe. And then outer loop is when you hit it, uh, like submit it for version control and then you let the CI CD system test it. So I think Docker's focus is to uh, make sure inner loop is performing better. So like developers are more productive and then uh, passing it on to other orchestration systems or, or deployment systems. Interesting. I, I don't think I've actually heard of that term either. So that's a yeah. new one for me. <laughs> Apparently it's a thing for a couple of years now. <laughs> All right. Now you learn something new every day. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I think Docker's done a great job of sort of pivoting to really focus on developers. So I, I love to see the new funding. Awesome. Uh, the second company, uh, another startup, uh, Garden.io, they raised Series A round of $16 million. And the blog said to combat waste in cloud development. So again, yeah. I had to like dig a, de a bit deep and find out, okay, what does it actually mean by it? Catchy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the stats that they uh, highlight based on a survey that they had done last year was 
uh, cloud developers only spend 11% of their time on average actually writing code and then everything else is just spent on building internal to building and maintaining internal tools setting up dev environments debugging pipelines and so on and so forth garden.io wants to make all of this easier and their approach is okay large distributed apps were not supposed to run like the whole app you can't run on a single laptop inside uh, a dev environment they want you to have a production like hosted dev environment that is in sync with your dev uh, or your uh, sde so whenever you make any changes uh, if you have the dev mode enabled those changes are directly reflected into the uh, the hosted environment without you having to build a container image or push it through your ci cd pipeline and then figure out how the change impacted the rest of the application so all of this sounds really cool it's still series a so uh, they have a few customers listed but it would be a good company to watch out for um, and then we from an acquisition perspective uh, our friends at netapp acquired insta cluster uh, and insta cluster is a database as a service uh, company i think they are focused on uh, deploying and ma uh, offering a managed service for different databases in the cloud and just looking at their website they offer postgresql kafka open search cassandra redis and zookeeper so a few services that customers can just uh, leverage for uh, leverage as hosted databases uh, in the public cloud. So yeah, it will be really interesting to see what that becomes uh, inside NetApp. Uh, really exciting stuff. Yep. Uh, and then we have, uh, uh, since we are recording this on April 14th, uh, I think in a couple of weeks, we'll have Kubernetes 1.24 out. So May 3rd is the official release date right now for the release. And uh, this, this release will have an interesting change. Uh, where Docker Shim, which was uh, deprecated for the past three releases, is officially getting removed. So uh, people who are running Kubernetes clusters, they need to run, just make sure that they are ready for the new release when they upgrade. Uh, this means that uh, if you are running the Docker runtime as the container runtime on your Kubernetes node, you need to change that to use Containerd. If you are using Docker to just build your applications or build those container images, you don't have to worry about it. If you are running any public cloud managed Kubernetes services, they have defaulted to Containerd for a while. So you can just verify, but don't worry, you, you, you would most likely be running Containerd. Uh, I will link to a blog in the show notes, uh, which walks you through a few commands that you can use to uh, check the runtime on your nodes. And then if, it's, if, if, if it is Docker, how you can uninstall that and uh, uh, install Containerd and then use that as part of your node. So uh, a, a really good thing to keep an eye out for since we are approaching the release date for 1.24. Great. And then uh, next thing I had was uh, another day zero vulnerability. Uh, again, these keep, keep coming up and uh, something that we should keep an eye out. It's called Spring for Shell. There are uh, again, it, it it is similar to log log for shell or uh, or log for j vulnerability that was announced earlier this year. It allows people um, to do remote code execution, and it is specifically for environments that are running uh, JDK version nine plus. And then a couple of if you should be running Tomcat server, and um, like there are certain conditions that you have to meet to be exposed to this vulnerability. So make sure you. Uh, read the blog post understand uh, if you if your environment is vulnerable and or not and then apply the necessary mitigation uh, that's already available for you with that i think the next thing on our list is discussing the latest version of portworx enterprise 2.10 uh, something that both of us are really excited about uh, i know it's a big release uh, for us uh, a few key features introduced i'll get started with one and then you can add add on to it as well sure. Uh, the feature that I am excited about is application IO control. So that allows uh, administrators or platform admins or DevOps admins, whatever the role may be, they can now specify uh, IOPS and throughput limits, uh, both for read and write for any persistent volume that's running on a Portworx storage cluster. So this means that uh, if you want any new volumes to have that uh, uh, limit specified, you can update your storage class definition and use a couple of parameters to either set the bandwidth limits or IOPS limits for your storage class. And, and then any persistent volume that's get, that gets provisioned using that storage class will automatically inherit those settings. And then for existing customers who want to start using this as part of the 2.10 release cycle, they can go ahead and use our PixieCuttle or PXCTL utility to basically 
uh, add the, a parameter to the persistent volume and the limits take effect almost instantaneously. So that's like for me, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. We re- we actually released a shared V for services uh, quite some time ago. It's been in beta for a while. With this release, it becomes full GA, so that's taking basic NFS volumes, and you can access them in and outside the cluster. It's highly uh, scalable and and fails over by itself, so that can be you know fully GA'd now. Uh, there's also one that I love, which is called Trashcan, Portworks Volume Trashcan. Uh, works a lot. Great like, job, like naming it. Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah, Trashcan. <laughs> you can't go wrong with uh, Trashcan when you, you talk about something like this. I mean, recycling bin on Mac, mm-hmm. I believe, but it works the same way, right? So you delete a file on your computer. It's not actually gone it's just in your trash can it's in your recycling bin and you got to go in there and fully delete it so it's you know evaporated forever uh the same idea here you can set sort of an expiry on volumes and if um if something were to occur such as an administration error or if you have your reclaim policy set to delete you didn't mean to uh, and you delete an object object and your volume gets deleted your data is still safe in this scenario until your expiry runs out and you can recover those volumes and trash can back into your your environment and in Kubernetes and really helps with that sort of oops, data loss, lost my wallet feeling um, and a really cool feature to check out. There's also some great stuff around AutoFS trimming um, and volume placement strategies for stateful sets, meaning you can, you know, basically define a stateful set and a volume placement strategy specifically for the pod in that um, unique deployment. Um, and it'll group your volumes or do what you want to do anti-infinity for those kind of so really, really exciting release for Portworks for sure. Um, in addition to that, I just have a couple more here. Um, there's an article about etcd 3.5 um, specifically for uh, 0, 1, and 2 versions, uh, which basically has a data incons- inconsistency issue. So if you're running etcd 3.5, 0, 1, or 2, uh, you definitely want to take the link in the show notes, which um, can actually lead to certain corruption issues. You can check your clusters. We recommend not upgrading to 3.5 and waiting till 3.5.3 release is out, and that yeah. will be fixed. So definitely go ahead and check that. Etcd is a big part of all cloud-native applications or Kubernetes in general, so uh, definitely something to go check out. Um, and then this last one is um, Postgres container apps. I thought it was a really cool uh, article uh, by Crunchy. Uh, Crunchy Data came out with this basically way to extend the internal uh, Postgres deployment to be able to run a container. So there's this little um, create extension and uh, run container uh, method that you can actually run a container from within the Postgres CT, uh, uh, Postgres UL uh uh, CLI, and it'll run a Docker container with something that you want to do, you know, good for kind of quick and dirty metrics, deployments, those kind of things. If you don't want to go through the uh, um, the trouble of fully deploying uh, your Kubernetes sort of init containers and things like that, or sidecar containers, which probably is still the way I see running in production happening, but uh, definitely a cool little um, uh, way to see sort of the, the ability of running containers to make it into the application. So go check that out as well. And I think with that, Bobbin, that's all our news. Might have been a lot of news, but I think those are all really worthy um, mm-hmm. articles. So uh, we can dive into our topic today on Kate Sandra. And uh, again, our guest is Patrick McFadden. He is the co-author of the upcoming O'Reilly book, Managing Cloud Native Data on Kubernetes. And he currently works at Datastax uh, in the developer relations uh, group and as a container, uh, sorry, a contributor to Apache Cassandra project. So really excited to get um, Patrick on the show. So let's go ahead and do that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Awesome. So we have Patrick on the call now. Patrick, welcome to Kubernetes Bytes. And we are so glad to have you on to talk about Cassandra. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? 
Yeah. Hi. Well, thanks for having me today. Let's see. What do I do? I do lots of things right now. Uh, mostly work on open source things. And what are those? So uh, my name is Patrick McFadden. Uh, I work at Datastacks. Um, we're a database company, uh, mostly cloud now. And we do actually all things data. Uh, you'll hear me say the open data stack a lot. Um, it just kind of worked out with our name. But okay. I work... Um, I've been working on Apache Cassandra for over 10 years now. I've been part of the project for a long time. Uh, Apache Pulsar is another project I have involvement in. Spark um, less now, more late, more before. Um, but also lately, a lot of Kubernetes stuff. Um, right now, I'm in the middle of writing a book with my co-writer, co Jeff Carpenter, um, called uh, Managing Cloud Native Data on Kubernetes, which is... Um, a ridiculously large topic that we're trying to squeeze into <laughs> a, a book form. Um, we're about three quarters of the way through. You can get early access now that's out there. Thanks to Portworks. Thank you. Um, and uh, it, I think part of that, or part of that writing of that, it probably would be very helpful for some of the things I've learned for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like we'll definitely include a link for those early access as the 75% of the book that you mentioned. Uh, so people can download it and start reading it. Uh, but like, okay, the, you already spoke about the topic for today, right? It's Cassandra. Uh, can you like tell our listeners what Cassandra is? How is it different from other data services or databases out there? And why are we talking about Cassandra on Kubernetes at all? Why even talk about that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, because Cassandra is uh, is one of those databases that affects your daily lives, and uh, it, and I, I love that fact because I've been working for a long time to make that a reality. But it's a it's a NoSQL database. Um, it was in that early days of NoSQL in the two thousand eight uh, two thousand ten years that um, it you know is when we were trying to figure out how to scale data. And mm -hmm. um, this is one of the solutions and it's really taken off. It's, it's a very popular database, but essentially what it is is a shared nothing database, fully distributed. Um, it leans more towards the availability and partition tolerance. So one of the useful and great features of Cassandra is that it just, it withholds, it holds up to a lot of abuse. So you can lose an entire data center or you can lose half of your cluster, things like that. And it'll still keep tracking. Um, that's, you know, these are, these are just the way that it's been built. Um, these aren't new features. These are just from day one. This is how it works. Um, having, you know, and working with it is a different kind, it's a different type of database. And I spend a lot of my time helping people build applications, but it's a transactional database. You it's better closer to your users and it's uh and why on kubernetes because it actually has always followed the same suit of the ideals of kubernetes which is you know this um always on like you know the the self-healing um mm -hmm. it scales in a linear fashion so that you just if you need more you add more um and you know it it is a really great way you know the elasticity which is becoming more a part of it is a great way to manage costs you know this is a typical problem with with kubernetes and cloud is you you always add infrastructure and you forget to remove it <laughs> um, it's really good for that and so and the resilience is is a key thing you know like um just thinking about like if you run infrastructure, you know that eventually something's going to fail and probably a lot of something. And what does it mean to your customers? So Kubernetes, Cassandra, they both follow that same thing of like, well, you should be online as much as possible. That's that's like a great way to put it together. But OK, so how do I get started with Cassandra on Kubernetes. I know there is a project called K8 Sandra. How do you say it? Like, let's start there. Yeah, how do you say that? Yeah, I know we got clever inside, you know, and it's funny how this has been the problem, but it's Kate Sandra as in Kate, Kate uh, the name Sandra. Now we know. Now everybody knows. Yeah, now everyone knows because you're one or two million listeners. I can't remember. It was a huge number. But, you know, they're all going to be like, oh, now see when you're at a party and you talk about it, you can sound super cool. Mm -hmm. And if somebody mispronounces it, you can sound pretentious. Like, I'm sorry. No, it's Kate Sandra. Because, <laughs> you know, if there's people out there listening to do that. They're actually, this is how we do it. <laughs> It'll be one of those cute uh, cutel and cute CT. 
uh, things. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, this kind of dates me, but when Linux first started to become a thing, there were people that called it Linux. Ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, yeah. You, that was That's a faux pas. Super quickly, I think. But it's yeah. not Linux? Yeah, well, it's because everyone tried to make it Unix. It's uh, Linux. Get it? At least it's not Linux. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the Kate Sander project is, uh, it's another open source project. It's not in CNCF yet or in Linux Foundation yet, uh, but it's a project that DataSax has sponsored to change the way we deploy Cassandra and just make it completely Kubernetes native. Um, Cassandra is, is a large distributed system and to install it, you gotta, you gotta be ready for that. And wouldn't it be great if you could just do a Helm install Kate Sandra and have a running Cassandra cluster? <laughs> so that's what it's about. But in, yes. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it be great? Here's the secret, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, it being sort of the project to really run Cassandra on Kubernetes, maybe we can talk about some of the challenges of not using a project like Cassandra um, and what are some of the challenges of deploying uh, Cassandra on Kubernetes without an operator um, and what does it solve? Yeah, well, you know, that's this is a classic open source problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we... The reason Sandra exists is because Datastax was solving this problem. And we went down, so we have Astra, which is our Cassandra's a service. Um, and, you know, that that's a cool cloud native service. You just click a button, you get a Cassandra cluster. But, you know, like when you're building a SaaS product, clicking a button and you get a thing, ugh, there's like a bazillion things behind it, right? Um, the first incarnation of Astra was not Kubernetes based and um, it was not, it was not easy to run. It took a lot more humans than we needed and it wasn't as robust and, and it just had all the, like every tagline you can think of from KubeCon of like, why we switched to Kubernetes. And mm-hmm. we, we made, we went through the process of converting all our infrastructure to Kubernetes. And in that process, we learned a lot about running large scale stateful workloads in kubernetes to a point where you know we were felt felt okay like putting up an sla and that all that knowledge we were able to and because we're an open source company we believe this should be in the open source Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. our operator and then eventually kate sandra and there are more innovations coming but you know it's it's taking what we've learned running a cloud service with cassandra and open sourcing it. Okay, like that's really cool, right? I didn't know Astra was running on Kubernetes. Like Astra basically deployed Cassandra instances on Kubernetes. So that's awesome. And you're taking all of those learnings and putting it out there for everyone to leverage. That's great. (laughs) Uh, But like, okay, how do I like get started, right? Like it's open source, but how do I run it against my Kubernetes cluster? Do I have to create a thousand uh, line YAML file for it? Or how easy it is to get started? Oh, come on now. If you, you, if you start with Kubernetes, you know there's going to be YAML in your life. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully not much. Um, if you go to katesandra.io, which is our, it's k8sandra.io. Just make sure we get that. Um, <laughs> we have a getting started that will take any, any and all environments you can think of. Like we, we can do it locally with Minikube. Um, we can do it on any cloud provider. As a matter of fact, like all the, all the cloud providers now have Kubernetes as a service. We 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 have startup for that. But mm-hmm. the the simple getting started steps are you know take down getting the Helm chart uh, installed in your local repo. Um, yes, mm-hmm. there is a YAML file, and the the bare minimum is pretty minimum. It's like uh, yeah, this is my image. This is what I'm. This is the namespace I'm installing it in, and here's how mm-hmm. many nodes I need. Walk away. Um, and because I know you're really excited about this, you can go much crazier with that YAML file if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's enough to get like a small three-node cluster running on Minikube. Okay, um, and all the smart defaults that you have, like it will store like three replicas, like the replication factor will be set to three and nodes will be configured according to best practices. Yeah, and, um, and I know something near and dear to your heart. Um, 
then you get into like, what kind of storage are you going to use? <laughs> and, um, as with any stateful workload, storage is pretty important aspect of that. Um, in sure. Minikube, you know, you're going to use local files. Um, yep. But as you evolve your your footprint, you're going to be thinking about, all right, what storage, how am I going to store this data? And we really push hard on, you got to make sure that you use a good class of storage. Storage is kind of the make or break for a good running cluster. So um, that's that's the first thing. And then the second thing is making sure you have a good clean network because um, it's a distributed system. Right. You mentioned something before, right, that, you know, you have Astra and, and Cassandra both as sort of an offering to deploy Cassandra um, in, in various ways. Um, now, I'm curious, right, who's the Kate Sandra project really tailored to versus why wouldn't you just go and deploy using Astra? You know, who comes to one of those services versus the other? Yeah. And I don't think this would be a surprise to anybody. There's a lot of folks out there that are not trustful of handing over their infrastructure to a service provider just yet. Mm -hmm. um, as much as Amazon, Google, and Microsoft have told you, Oh, just give, leave the driving to us. It's still like, <laughs> EC2 still exists, <laughs> you know, um, but it, it's, it's those, I think it, what it comes down to is there's a lot of companies that are standardizing around Kubernetes and want to own their own infrastructure, their own infrastructure story. Um, mm -hmm. And that's okay. I mean, and it's, what's interesting is that um, and this is what I've talked to a lot of folks in our in our industry, like especially around data, is that data is their is kind of the crown jewels. You know, that's the thing that they want to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Don't hand your data to a cloud because then you're locked in. And the clouds threw in the towel a while back and they said, yeah, OK, Kubernetes is a thing. And now they all have standard Kubernetes services. So. You have a very portable, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in my book, shameless plug, um, <laughs> that, you know, we went from creating virtual machines and using virtual machines and eventually containers. Now we're creating with that big, the big YAML file that you love so much, Bob, mm -hmm. we're creating <laughs> virtual data centers and we're deploying that in the cloud with, and we're just renting the compute network and storage as, as a commodity. And when you know you're going to get this best in class database, the thing that like runs Netflix and Apple and all these other companies, and you can just deploy it anywhere you want and pay for it as a commodity, those are the companies that are thinking about doing like a Kate Sandra in their own Kubernetes. Oh, interesting. Okay, like an add-on service to add like on top of a managed Kubernetes service. Interesting. That is the trend. Yeah, it's, yep. you know, it, because we're, I think we should be done inventing new infrastructure. You know, we have plenty of databases, plenty of streaming, plenty of analytics. Um, we're moving into an era with Kubernetes and cloud that we can, it's more about the architecture, mm -hmm. like how we assemble the parts, than how, if we need to build like yet a new database. We should get away from that. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I I can get on board with that idea, but okay. So we we spoke about like how we can get started with Kate Sandra, but uh, the reason like one of the main reasons I had reached out to you was to talk about the latest feature or latest release of Kate Sandra, which covered that multi cloud or multi data center deployment. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, that goes into what I was talking about. Is mm -hmm. you know when you, when you're in control of your own destiny, sometimes you want to have choices installed in your architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very typical to see any, any company that's on a cloud journey, you know, the quote unquote cloud journey, um, yep. it starts with one step, um, <laughs> it's download Bodo. Um, <laughs> oh, did I tell myself? <laughs> I <beat> myself <laughs> the, yeah, those cloud, the cloud journeys is usually like, uh, we're going to do a little bit in the cloud and a little bit on prem. Well, Kubernetes in that environment. You, you just got yourself a multi-cluster problem. Um, mm -hmm. Kubernetes doesn't span hybrid like that. So you have to start thinking about that. Um, another thing that's really turning out to be super common is company, large companies have their uh, footprint in one, uh, more than one cloud. 
two or three sometimes. Um, and yeah, there's transit costs. Yeah, there's other things, but there's also this feeling that you're not stuck in one place mm -hmm. and managing that is tough. So it's, and the, the, for the Cassandra project, one of the things that people didn't like about Kate Sandra is that it, it held back the superpower of Cassandra because it didn't allow for multi-data center, which yep. is kind of a fundamental thing. So with, with this release, uh, the latest release 1.2, we have um, all the mechanisms in there where you can manage uh, Cassandra across multiple Kubernetes clusters in one control plane command. So if you need to expand, contract, do all those things, it will look at the entire Cassandra cluster as one thing, even though it spans multiple data centers, multiple Kubernetes clusters. Um, it's just easier for operators overall. I know, and like looking at a, a blog that was published around around this site, and it's like so simple. Like I, I can just have different data centers defined, and I can still specify how many Cassandra nodes I want in each data center, what their size and uh, like heap size should be, and it, everything is just put together for you. So I don't have to worry about even logging into different clusters and deploying those Kubernetes pods or stateful sets or however you want to deploy your Cassandra instance. So like this. Again, like this simplifies it so much, it's hard to put in words on, on a podcast, but yeah, I'm, I'm just happy. Well, that, I'm glad you said that. Thank you for, for making that point, because <laughs> if I made it, it would sound totally derived, but you <laughs> saying it is so much better. Um, but you know, the, the, dude, that's the thing that we're trying to create is I, I really don't want the next generation of infrastructure people to go through what I went through with the infrastructure. But we, we should won't have as interesting stories then. <laughs> oh, yes they will <laughs> have different stories <laughs> you could do a, a coop cuddle command and completely destroy your entire virtual data center in one command <laughs> nice <laughs> that's not supposed story. to talk about that command it'll <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. delete what <laughs> yeah Cool. Good to know. And yeah, I know I that, um, you know, the, the CAS operator, which is also from Datastax, is now in favor of Kate Sandra, right? And I, I think I've used that in the past as well. So it's worth calling out because part of me wondered, what's the difference? And then I went and looked and it was just like, go use this thing. So um, you know, I don't know what the status of that, if you have anything to say about that as well. Well, it, the Kate Sandra project is, is kind of a collection of operators in a lot of ways. Um, mm. Because there's, it's not just Cassandra that it installs. It also installs mm -hmm. a backup tool um, called Medusa. And there's another, hang on to your hat, tons of Greek mythology in here. Um, <laughs> and then there's, a, there's another tool called Reaper that does um, like background repair processes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it, it is meant to be kind of like the batteries included thing. Like when you do a Helm install, um, then you should get all the stuff that uh, someone may have to go through a few training classes to learn how to run a Cassandra cluster. So, mm -hmm. and each one of those things has an operator. Um, right. uh, and we have, um, you know, we have this situation where, um, you know, we, we can make it easier, but operators are the ones that are like the robots, right? Um, I love that analogy of the operators, like the robot in your data center that, mm -hmm takes the commands and does stuff. Well, when we have, again, when we're creating these multi-process architectures, then we need more than one robot. And so having more, more operators is not a bad thing. Awesome. Uh, so, okay. Can you uh, talk about like a few customer case studies uh, around like people, how they're using Cassandra or Kate Sandra, sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for their deployments, yeah. like on their DIY clusters? Yeah, I don't know how many names I can. I mean, it's so funny. You know, the infrastructure is people are like, well, mm -hmm. we don't want to give away our secret sauce, but um, just use wavy yeah, hands. There's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there is. Yeah, if I if I tell you, then you're going to go out and this is the thing that I love about Netflix. They will totally tell you how they do everything. They got so much swagger, right? They're, they're like <laughs> open source everything. They talk about everything. Like this is how we built it. Go ahead and try. <laughs> yeah. I dare you. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great analogy of like, yeah, sometimes it's not the tool. 
it's the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a company that uh, in the UK that does a lot of really cool stuff around Kate Sandra. And what they're using it for specifically is um, managing their on-prem and multi-cloud presence. They What they do is they they provide a API control plane for all the developers who do above the line for mobile, web, that sort of thing. And they're, they use Cassandra quite a bit uh, for that because Cassandra is just default active-active multi-cluster or multi-data center. But moving to Kate Sandra, you know, it's if you look at like how people adopt have adopted Kubernetes, you know, they've already got all their more of their stateful or stateless infrastructure running Kubernetes for years now, um, mm-hmm. microservices, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Getting out of the business of having two different deployment mechanisms and two different CI/CD pipelines <laughs> uh, and unifying them was a big deal, and. Mm. Uh, now for them, I think what they're what they're seeing is, you know, that they can move on to do other things. You know, they've figured out that the robot running their Cassandra cluster is doing the job for them. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't as painful as they thought. I think there was a lot of fear around running staple workloads inside of Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. And as long as you get to storage right, you're golden. So yeah, that. I, I wish I wish we had more names that we could talk about. Um, but yeah, there's it'll, it'll come around. We need a conference. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there may be one coming up soon. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so you know, I think there's there's always a what's next, right? And there's a what's next in Kubernetes, and there's a what's next for Datastax and Katesandra. Um, now, I'm curious, you know, where do you see sort of, you know, you know, are we still at the at the beginning of people adopting, right? As your example just stated, people are still a little fearful putting stateful stuff on Kubernetes. Are we still at the beginning there? What's next for, you know, Katesandra, and then maybe in your view um, with Kubernetes? Well, I, another disclosure, I, I, I'm very involved in the data on Kubernetes community, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of converted yeah, at this that. point. <laughs> uh, but that community has done some really good work in trying to understand like who's doing this and, and how many of us are doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's a recent survey that showed that um, companies that, that are moving fast and are making a difference with Kubernetes have already adopted data inside of Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the biggest open secret. So it's it's not it's not so taboo anymore. Um, but like what's next and what does that mean is, you know, there's this problem that I think we're we're solving slowly or quickly, depending on who you talk to. If it's uh, if you talk to the um, infrastructure people building it, it's too fast. <laughs> if it's the business people, it's <laughs> too slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, we have had a really large, a really established large group of data infrastructure software out there that's been proven battle hardened and it was never designed to work on or in or around Kubernetes. And that's changing rapidly. Um, now I can speak specifically about Cassandra. Cassandra is just meant to be working on, it's, it works in any kind of environment. It's very uh, commodity-based, as we put it. But mm. now you'll, we're, we're starting to move Cassandra closer to Kubernetes. Um, at Datastax, we're looking at specific things like what, what things do Kubernetes provide that are redundant in Cassandra? For instance, consensus mm. and control plane management. That's built in. <laughs> Kubernetes has that for free. Um, and treating uh, a database more like a microservice instead of mm-hmm. a monolithic beast to be installed. Mm-hmm. And we, um, I, I think this is going to change a lot. Um, again, this is from our running Cassandra at scale in Astra. You know, we have thousands of clusters mm-hmm. in there. Um, you learn a few things. So, it's this cloud natifying of the older versions of things. That's really what's next for the industry and definitely what's next for Cassandra and Kate Sandra. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, that sounds like it, it could be a huge benefit in making it even more scalable as it already is, right? Being a, a potentially more lightweight, letting Kubernetes do more things. It's interesting to see how, you know, um, Kubernetes will evolve into you know, into where it will actually play in the role of applications, because you know you mentioned it before that you know we're we're now putting together the pieces. We're focusing more on the business value of the application these days, mm-hmm. and in many ways, rather than just building and exploring Kubernetes. Right? We've we've definitely mm-hmm. adopted it by now. So um, that's it's interesting insight. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. uh, I know we already covered what's next, but I, I did want to like ask on a, another question. Maybe that should have been before, but around <laughs> data protection. I know we uh, spoke about how Kate Sandra is that Kate Sandra. I, I'll eventually learn how to say it. <laughs> Kate Sandra is that one one big umbrella that has different operators. Uh, I was reading through the the one dot two release notes, and then it says uh, Medusa might be missing or it might not support this multi data center. Uh, is that something that's coming in the future? How do how does Kate Sandra handle data protection. Yeah, so data protection and Cassandra is a, a fascinating and fun topic because it, just inherently, it the way it's designed is to protect your data. You know, so mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you can get into this mode where you think maybe I don't need a backup ever. Um, <laughs> not tra- not in a traditional sense. Like I used to be an Oracle DBA, and if you didn't backup your, you know, do you didn't do your incrementals and backup your database all the time, mm-hmm. you were just asking for data loss. Um, but the fun, funny thing about my experience with Oracle, which is the thing about data protection inside of a Cassandra cluster is I never had to restore a database because of a hardware failure ever. I always had to restore databases because some programmer munged the actual data, (laughs) you know, so like equally important, I deleted everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, that's that's a real problem. Uh, is it's easy to uh, ruin your data with a command, <laughs> and then what? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, human error, right? Whether it's an operator, dev, admin, you know, I think there's many ways to munge what could be a Cassandra data loss issue, whether it's from a Kubernetes administration point of view, or like you said, from a developer or Cassandra operator, it sounds like. Yeah. So like the data protection in that, in that realm, like let's, let's reset the problem. It's not because Mm -hmm. hardware failed. It's not because we lost our cluster. It's because, you know, somebody did something. Now we can go further down like for recovery, but so Backup should always you should always be doing um, snapshots inside of Cassandra, and that's what Medusa does. Um, okay, and Medusa manages that pretty well. Where you put your snapshots, a very important topic. Um, you know, it's do you you put it in slower storage? Do you put it in more you know like cheaper, bulkier storage? That's important. Um, and then there's this aspect of what if somebody does delete your entire cluster, having your storage. Uh, configured so that it doesn't you know your pvs don't just drop out and delete themselves um Mm -hmm. that's important (laughs) because that's a fast way to get a cluster back online is restoring the nodes and reattaching the pvs so um you can get a cluster running pretty quickly based on that um if you lost everything for instance um Mm -hmm. and then there's the long-term storage uh data protection like uh, especially in regulated environments, financial mm-hmm. uh, health is, you know, storing a snapshot at a certain time and then putting it in the coldest cold storage, cheapest storage you possibly can. Cause it, you know, it's gotta be held for what, seven years or something like that. Yep. So, um, you know, these are, these are not all Kate Sander topics, but these are ones that anyone managing a Kate Sander cluster should really be thinking about all the time. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Good to know. Okay, we'll add it to our list. Uh, but with that, like, I think I'm ready for my final question. Like, 
how do we learn more about Kate Sandra, Cassandra? How do we get started? I know personally, to get ready for this uh, podcast episode, I did go through the YouTube series that you have on data science developers about intro to Cassandra. But apart from that, what else, what other resources are available? Yeah, I mentioned before, but just reiterating, katesander.io, it should be your first stop. The docs are really awesome. Um, and if they aren't, we'll, we always accept PRs. <laughs> it's a really cool <laughs> setup, by the way. If you don't like it, you click a button on the page, edit it, and it will turn into a PR automatically. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, but katesander.io is a great place to get started. Um, and as a matter of fact, if you really don't want to do anything, um, Kate Sandra is available in uh google and amazon marketplace as well so you can just go over there and click a button and it'll do it for you um which is pretty pretty slick uh yeah i didn't we know just that did, yeah we just did a, a thousand uh amazon sponsored this fun thing that we did with kate sandra where we um built a thousand node cluster um nice using kate sandra which it was cool <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money uh but amazon wanted to show like show off the um marketplace like oh look you can just go into marketplace and spin up thousands of dollars worth of infrastructure in seconds isn't this great <laughs> create your own netflix if you so choose <laughs> uh, yeah exactly uh, i don't even think netflix well netflix has more than a thousand nodes but not in one cluster <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> But yeah, if you want to get started, and then um, we have a Discord. If you want to get in and talk with us, it's pretty active Discord. Um, the links are in katesander.io. Um, we use GitHub discussions for a lot of things as well. We have discourse out there. Just you know, join in the community. We would love to hear from you and um, talk about your use case and if we can make, help make it better. Anything going on at uh, KubeCon Valencia? Will you be there? I'm not going to be there in person. Huh? I'm still doing the virtual thing, but uh, yeah. I do have a talk. Uh, um, that I'm doing. Nice. Um, I'll be at Data on Kubernetes Day, which is a couple of days before. Um, Great. I would, yeah, it's KubeCon is turning into like a festival, right? There's like other conferences popping up around KubeCon now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll be there. Uh, and yeah, so I'll be giving talks at all those places. Yeah. Great. Well, I think we'll definitely include all those links uh, in the show notes for anyone who's listening that wants them. And you can go get started with Kate Sandra, learn how to say it, learn how to deploy it, whatever you want to do. Um, And I will say, uh, Patrick, it's been a pleasure having you on the show uh, today. And uh, I know I learned a lot. And so hopefully those listening did as well. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This has been fun. And um, I really hope to hear from some of your listeners on Discord. You know, just say shout out, you know. (laughs) Hey, I heard your talk. I want to join in. I'd love to have you. Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, that was a great conversation with Patrick. I have definitely learned new things about Cassandra, Kate Sandra, <laughs> and all the ways you can deploy it and leverage Cassandra for your, as a NoSQL distributed database uh, for your applications. One day, Brian, let's, one day, Bob, and you will say Kate Sandra correctly. Yes. And, uh, I will applaud you now that we know how to say it properly because Patrick gave us the uh, the hint. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Uh, so why, why don't you kick us off with the takeaways? Sure. Uh, I think the big one for me is, you know, the world of managed services and uh, BYOK, bring your own Kubernetes, is going to exist, uh, you know, for the future, right? Um, you know, the, the comments around organizations really wanting to still own the stack, even though they're putting Legos together to a certain extent, now that a lot of these pieces of the architecture are becoming more mature, they can kind of pick and choose which ones they want to build themselves, which ones they want to buy, but the, ultimately they still want to have their hands on that infrastructure, own their own data, um, you know, for those that don't want to give away um, that sort of to these managed services. But there's a world for both of them, and that's what I heard, right? And and the BYOK, um, as I want to uh, uh, coin it, if it's not already coined, BYOK, I like that one. Um, <laughs> 
is is definitely something we're going to see going forward. And we're only at the beginning, I think, of people building their own Kubernetes architecture. So really cool that Astra and both uh, Kate Sandra can live in the sort of the same ecosystem for data stacks. Yeah, and for me, right, uh, just learning that Astra actually, like the managed service that data stacks has, runs on Kubernetes. Like I, I loved how Patrick laid out the whole journey, right? Like they, they didn't used to use Kubernetes. They used to run it without Kubernetes and offered that managed service, but then they eventually realized that to run this uh, Cassandra, to run these Cassandra instances at scale, you would really benefit from having an infrastructure like Kubernetes. So that was eye-opening for me. Uh, and then again, I think I have I uh, repeated this uh, for uh, during the episode, but I re really wanted to uh, talk about the multi-cloud or multi-data center support that uh, Kate Sandra's new operator has. It allows you to leverage Cassandra's distributed architecture. So you uh, like how you can have different data centers of Cassandra, and you can get immediate consistency for read and write operations by setting by using the defaults. So like the replication factor of three and and just having different uh, rings across different uh, regions. But now uh, the newest version of operator, how it had made it has made this easier to set up for anybody who uses Kubernetes, that's really great. Like people should really check it out. We'll definitely include a link to a demo or a blog in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, those were the couple of takeaways that I had from this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that as well. Just, you know, really, really kind of doubling down on the operator pattern, something that Cassandra's already really good at doing, but have to manually do those things to set mm -hmm. it up and having the operator do that. Really, really exciting stuff. And I like where that's going. Um, so uh, with that, you know, all the show links that we mentioned and Patrick mentioned in here will be uh, posted with this episode. Oh, so definitely go take a look at those, katesandra.io, docs, YouTube series, those kind of things. Uh, we will also encourage you to go check out our other episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, or if you go to anchor.fm slash Kubernetes Bytes, you can take a look at all our episodes there and even send us a message for how we're doing or what you want to hear or who you want to hear as a guest. That would be great. Um, and please leave a review if you uh, so choose. So next week, or sorry, I always do that. Two weeks from now <laughs> is uh, we're going to be talking about MySQL, a uh, really exciting episode. Um, so we're kind of sticking with this database theme um, as as we're going forward uh, for the short term. And uh, that's the end of the episode. So, um, you know, I'm Ryan. I'm Bobin. And thanks for joining another episode of Kubernetes Bytes. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.